Zigzag and One, a place where we honestly discuss how to embrace the zigs and the zags in our crazy lives. Running away is not an option. Living in defeat is not an option. Instead, learning how to keep moving forward is what we'll do together, one nugget of wisdom at a time. Your host is Melanie Brown. She's navigated a few zigs and zags in her life with the determination to never give up. Expect great stories and lots of laughs. Are you ready? Let's do it. Hey, friends. Today on the show, I have a guy with us who makes me laugh. Ken Kington is a comedian, author, motivational speaker, life coach, and occasional fill-in pastor. Even though he's all of the above, today he and I chat about finding joy and laughter when life zigzags. You won't necessarily hear any jokes per se, but you will hear incredible wisdom about the purpose behind the pain we experience and how laughter feeds our soul. Make sure you check him out on his website at kenkington.com. That's K-E-N-N-K-I-N-G-T-O-N.com and his videos on YouTube. Here's the thing. I love laughing at his comedy videos, but he's peppered in a new video series called Wow Moments. You don't want to miss those either. He shares what he's learning about life, And let's be honest, don't we all need a little guidance? When he left the day that we recorded, I I honestly found myself smiling the whole rest of the day. He just brings about that joy, and you just, you can't help but just smile. I knew you needed to meet Ken, so here's my chat with my friend Ken Kington. Hey, it's Melanie. I am so excited you joined us for this episode of the Zigzag in One podcast. I have a special treat for you today. I heard today's guest several years ago when he came to share humor and motivation during a teacher appreciation event at the school where I was teaching. I promise you, I haven't laughed that hard (laughs) since. Here's what I do know. We all need more humor in our lives. I'm more of the serious type person, but I love to laugh. So I invited King Kington, professional comedian and motivational speaker, to be with us today. Ken, uh, welcome! It is so good to be with you, and uh, I, I, I don't know why, but I didn't remember that you were a teacher. My wife's a teacher, so... That's why I do a couple of those events every year, and, and uh, so cool that you were there. That's that's awesome. Well, that gives us just that one more bit of connection. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So tell us about yourself. What have you been up to lately? Oh, my word. Lately, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been on a bit of a torrent pace. The first quarter this year has been the busiest of 29 years of doing this, and uh uh, I've, let's see. I, I started in uh, California, Las Vegas, uh, Boston, New York, Connecticut, Naples, Florida, Phoenix, Arizona, and I finished up the two week run last night in Perry, Georgia. So it is. Uh, I've been a lot of flights, a lot of rental cars, and <laughs> it's so funny. This is this is one of those parts of travel where. I'm so thankful the little key fob has a a lock horn on it because I think about five days ago I hit that that saturation point where I 
I'd walk into a parking lot and have no idea what car was mine because I, <laughs> you just have so many rental cars and it's like, okay, that's it. But it's been a great run and I've I've loved it. But it's good to be back in Atlanta and uh, good to be in Smyrna. Yes. You guys, I, I love your place. You literally um, – Campbell, where I went to high school – is just down the road from yes, your house. So that's, yes, that's it is. I'm back on my old stomping grounds. Well, I love hearing that you are spreading humor across the nation because we all need it. We yeah. need your humor. Yeah, we need a good laugh. And So I'm going to tell you a quick story yes. about the key fob and getting lost in the parking lot. <laughs> a couple months ago, Jeff's band played an event, and when I drove into the parking deck— I could tell immediately that it was one of those more confusing ones. Yeah. And I thought, you've got to remember where you parked. You've got, I mean, I'm telling myself this as I'm getting out of the car and I'm looking around trying to make sure I know what level I'm on. Right. Whatever. Right. So I leave the event a couple hours later and I'm going through in my head what I remembered, what level I was on, where I was in, in accordance to these big concrete things that were totally in the way, made it very difficult to even drive. But I get down there, and I literally wander around for 45 minutes, <laughs> trying so hard and embarrassed. And I keep passing these same people, and they're looking at me th- going, girl, do you know where you are? <laughs> no, and I finally, I and I'm, I'm doing the key fob thing. I'm hitting the key fob going, please, where is my car? And I can't find it. And finally, I say, God, I need you so much right now. I got to find my car. I have somewhere I've got to be. <laughs> and and just as I hit the the key fob that time, it beeped. Beep. And I got to go home, but I got lost on the way home too because I was so disoriented from the whole <laughs> from getting the lost in the parking garage. lot. Yes. It was crazy. I tell you what, I learned a trick because I'm at the Atlanta airport all the time and 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 parking all over the place. I, I I started writing down the piece on my parking ticket, which worked. But then I got out of my car one time. And this guy had literally taken his his phone and was pointing it at the row and the sign of where we were, what level, what row. And he took a picture of it, and I laughed at first, and then I thought. That's brilliant. It is brilliant. And I do that every time I go somewhere now that has a parking lot, specifically the airport. I'll take a picture of it, and and then when I get off the plane, I just open my pictures. So live and learn. That's fantastic piece of advice. I'm going to do that the next time. So let's talk about how did you know you were funny? When did that happen? <laughs> did I know it was funny? Well, probably the most common question people ask is, so were you the class clown? And I'm like, no, 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 I was not. I was uh, had a learning disorder called dyslexia. And um, so I was embarrassed in school and I would sit in the back and I'd be super quiet. But I would just look and I'd watch people and I would watch what was going on. And to myself, I would laugh because different situations would just be humorous. But I would tell my friends after school and and we would laugh together. And so I was always, I don't know, I never saw myself as super funny, but I just, I just saw life differently. And that's actually the positive side of being dyslexic is we notice details that most people don't notice. And we just point them out and go, that's really funny. And people go, that really is funny. But I think it was probably in high school where um, okay. my friends would just go, hey, 
tell us what happened today or whatever. And we would just sit around and laugh. And then I got to college and uh, loved. I, I, that's really where I grew in my faith. And uh, the people who would tell stories and would would just um, take that truth but tie it to something that really happened and they would tell it just really connected with me. And that's really the way I learned. So through stories and uh, I started teaching and it was really funny in college, I would get invited to speak uh, in different little small towns in South Georgia. I went to Georgia Southern and and they would ask, invite me to speak at these churches and they would speak on a Sunday morning. They're like, you know, we really can't pay you, but uh, we'll take you to lunch and bring any friends you want. Well, I had <laughs> I had a whole bunch of friends that were big fans because I don't think they cared what I was speaking on. They just got free lunch. So they're like, when are you speaking again? And so I'd cram friends in my car and I'd go speak at a church and and they would feed us. And it was just the, the greatest experience ever. So um, I think it was that where I learned. Man, just just encouraging people through stories and the the laughter and the stories just came natural to me. I just see the funny in a lot of different ways, different angles, and and when we laugh, it, I don't know, it's somewhere in us drops a wall and it connects on a level where we remember more. Yes, it does. It does that for me, especially. Yeah, I love that. And no college boy is going to turn down free food. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is; Absolutely. they're not going to turn that down. Especially Southern South Georgia homemade food. It was wow. So yeah, I had a lot of friends that were. <laughs> anytime you're going to speak, I want to go with you. Tag along. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So did you immediately, right out of college, take that leap of faith and jump into comedy as your full-time job? No, no. Actually, uh, I'd, I'd got a marketing degree, and I was kind of driven in the sense of I want to be successful by all the standards that our world throws at us. And uh, so I was in marketing and sales for about five, five and a half years. And done really well. I was in a top 10 in sales for a Fortune 500 growth company and an overachiever. And that was really the – a lot of times in life we would look at tragedies or setbacks and we think, wow, why is that happening to me? And that was what dyslexia was for me because I had to work so hard to just make Bs and Cs. And my sister never studied and made straight A's. And it was a struggle for me. And there was a, I don't think I ever really questioned God why me, but I, it was frustrating to work so hard and, and only get, you know, half of what everybody else gets. But what I found was when you get out of in the real world, quote unquote, and you work three and four and five times harder than everybody else, you get three and four or five times farther than everybody else. So I was super successful from a financial standpoint right out of school, but it was just, it was just kind of empty. I hated Mondays and quotas always got doubled and doubled and doubled. And it was never enough and really just kind of burned out. I'm like, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. And I was speaking on the side and I was doing some performing on the side. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where I either had to pursue it or get rid of it. And uh, I'll never forget the first one. It was this little, little church choir appreciation banquet. And my mom knew a lady in this choir. They said, her, she said, my son's really funny. You should get him to come. And so I went and I did a 30 minute set and it was hysterical because I got to the end of it and I thought, man, that was the greatest thing ever. And they handed me a check for $50 and I'm like, you're paying me to just be funny. This is the greatest thing ever. So that kind of sparked it and I started turning the corner. 
And uh, gosh, in uh, the mid '90s, uh, or yeah, I guess it was in the early '90s. I I just took that leap of faith and paid off all my debts, paid it, and got rid of everything, and said, "Okay, Lord, uh, I'm going to pursue this." And it was it was the greatest decision ever. Um, but that process is uh, <laughs> is a is a learning factor in and of itself. I bet so. But you're speaking my love language because okay. by trade, I am a special ed teacher. Okay. And so, I would have been in your class. I, well, I would have <laughs> loved you. I would have loved you. Uh, but what what I hear you saying is that the challenges, the, the zigzags yeah. are, are what really propelled you forward because you learn from that and you learn some strategies that – helped you further in life. Oh, absolutely. So have there been any zigzags like that you would be willing to share with us that have shaped you? And I know that you had to see the humor in them simply because you've seen the humor in all kinds of situations yeah. your whole life. So yeah. share some of those with us. Well, Melody, I think I think you're really, really on the target there that – uh, and, and they're humorous. And let me just encourage your listeners. They're humorous as we look back on them most of the time. Of course. Not, not really funny. in the moment. Um, one of the biggest not. ones ever. So I had left the corporate world. I was in this process of working a lot of odd jobs and doing this. And it took about two years to make that transition. And it was towards the end where I was about to give up pretty much all the odd uh, part-time and project jobs to just do this full time. And I'll never forget this one time, uh, a buddy, I'd started dating my wife. We're about to get engaged. I'm, I'm doing anything to save up money for a ring. And a buddy of mine had a pressure washing business. He said, Ken, um, I've got this one shopping center. We need to pressure wash it, paint the curbs. Starts at midnight and goes till the next morning. Uh, you're going to be by yourself. And, uh, and, and I'd literally just flown in from one of the biggest events I'd ever performed at. There was probably five, six hundred people. It was hysterical. It was energized. I'm like, Lord, that is what I want to do. This is it. So I get off the plane. I go home. I change into my grubby clothes and I start pressure washing this, this shopping center. And, and he said right as he left, he goes, Hey, I'm done. Uh, just finish up tomorrow morning and let me know when you get done. He says, Oh, but there's this, carpet behind the shopping center that needs to go into the dumpster. And it's pretty big, so you're going to want to cut it into pieces or whatever. I need you to do that. Well, this carpet had been sitting there for months. It was the nastiest smelling, probably weighed about a ton, literally a ton rolled up and wet and nasty. So I'm cutting it up, but I want to cut it up in as few pieces as possible because I got to throw it in this dumpster. And I'll never forget it. I, I took this one piece. It was super heavy. I threw it up onto the edge, and it had oozed all over me. And I'm just grossed out. I'm like, that's disgusting. Well, I didn't get it all the way in. And it teetered. And as I reached down for the next piece, it fell out. And it's about <laughs> 300 pounds, pins me to the ground, unfolds with this nasty goop all over it. So now I'm laying on the ground under this carpet and I literally had a little conversation with the Lord. I'm like, God, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. Last night, that's what I'm called to do. This, this is ridiculous. And I'm just mad and I was just frustrated. And I'm like, this is, this is disgusting. And now God's never spoken to me audibly, but it, he brought a verse to my mind and he whispered into my soul of just, Ken, if you will do this with excellence, when nobody sees but me, 
if you'll do this with all your heart as unto me, not unto men, then you're going to be ready for what I have in store for you. I love that. And I was like, I wish, Melody, I wish I could say I had a great attitude and go, okay, I'm going to be the best grungy carpet cleaner in the back of a shopping center ever. But I did it. And not only did I did it, I cleaned up. That was the cleanest dumpster area you will ever see that nobody's ever seen. But I realized, and that's kind of the zig, and the zag was I realized that God had to mold my character so that when I am in front of thousands of people that go, ooh, ah, look at you, I've got the perspective of what you see is not who I really am. You see the best part of me, but God sees all of me. And that's where the important part is to live. So those times of frustration, there's never frustration in God's economy that there's not a purpose behind it. And that's the that's the cool part. And I think after you go through a few zigs and zags, you realize, wow, I love that there's no pain without a purpose. Yes, that's an incredibly true. I love that. So how did humor or laughter play a part in that? Did you use that story later? What what are some other no, no. what are some other zigzags that have some some humorous parts? Maybe the lesson in it. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know that one did not. That one did. I, I, I don't. I think I maybe shared that once or twice, just individually. But really, the big pieces in life that are the ones you don't expect. Um, I'll go to the big catastrophic one right off the bat. My daughter, who's 15, and she's this beautiful freshman in high school, when she was uh, three, almost four, was diagnosed with cancer. Now, that's oh, a goodness. that's a zig that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And, and your whole world turns upside down. Hard enough when it's the adult. But oh, when right. you see your child. Oh, I Absolutely. I can't imagine. Well, it is the living hell you would imagine it to be. I was on tour in Colorado, and my wife called, said Kennedy wasn't feeling good, took her to appointments all day long, and then an x-ray, and then blood test. And then I, I walk off stage, and I'm walking back to the hotel room and just called for a follow-up. And she just broke down. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and she said, Kennedy has cancer. And my whole world turned upside down. I mean, literally. Um I, I couldn't get a flight out of Colorado Springs, drove to Denver, took the red eye home, and I, I went into this room where my daughter's plugged up to all these wires and machines, and the whole world kept going except for ours. It just stopped. And, I mean, that's a colossal zig. Yes, um, it is. In the midst of that, though, I learned a couple—I learned one word in particular that radically changed my life. And on this side of it, it, it just – it's made all the difference. Now, I'm I'm a pretty nice person, and if you were going through something tough, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to go, hey, Mel, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And I meant it. But having been in that situation, the last thing you want to do is, is initiate and try to ask people for help. You just – it's just easier to do it. But what I saw was it was my friend Royce who stopped by one day. I'm getting my mail two weeks into the diagnosis, and he said, hey, I just want you to know I've got crews in this area, and we're going to do your yard for you this year so you can just focus on your daughter. And I said, man, that'd be great. If you do it for a month, I'm just trying to figure this out. He goes, no, we're going to do it all year. And he gave me an incredible yard that year because he's a landscaper, but what he really gave me was time. Yes. And it was the number of people that 
we had a uh, we had clinic every week, and every Monday I'd scoot my daughter out of bed, and we would go down to Children's, and we would do a treatment. And every Monday night for two years, dinner just appeared at our house, and thousands of needs that got met. And people they didn't ask permission, they didn't ask for recognition, they just did it, and that. That took me to a place where I'm like, Lord, I, I want to be like that. And the word is simply they took initiative. Yes. And, and what a blessing yeah. all of those things were. Absolutely. I mean, they took a weight off of us. And and I love the verse where it says, bear one another's burdens. Yes. And thus fulfill the law of Christ. And I got to the point where I just, I don't even ask anymore. If I see a need, I just do something. And if I can do it anonymously, I do. And, and, and that ripple effect of that is amazing because it affected me even in the midst of it. And and this is one of the one of my favorite funny parts. So every day after uh, every Monday after clinic, she couldn't eat before clinic, so I'd be like, "Where do you want to go eat afterwards?" So here's this little 4-year-old and and I and, and we're going she'd like to go to Waffles House. So we went to Waffles House and uh we would just eat and shoot straw paper at each other and guess cars and we just played. But I'll never forget, I saw a couple dads do this, and I thought, I'm doing that. I'm taking the initiative on this. So my wife calls, hey, brace yourself. Kennedy's lost the last little bit of her hair. And it was during her intensive. So I get home, and there's this little ball-headed four-year-old with these piercing blue eyes. Mm. And I said, Kennedy. She came up and gave me a big hug. I said, I love your haircut. And she said, thanks. And she's rubbing her head. And I said, I want your haircut. She said, okay. And I said, Kennedy, I want you to give it to me. She's Beautiful. like, oh. So we got the scissors and the real buzzer and went on the front porch. And we just had the most fun. And she's buzzing my head. <laughs> and she had never buzzed anything before. And my wife came out halfway through. And she's like, oh, wow. You look like you have mange. And I was like, I know, right? And it looked horrible. And... And she said, you're going to let me fix it. And I said, no, baby, it's coming off. And I buzzed my head and I bicked it completely clean. And I would do it again in a heartbeat because I wanted her to know, hey, I'm with you in this. And the funniest part to me was we read stories at night and Kennedy is, is leaning over. She can't pay attention. She's so excited. She's rubbing her head on my head. Daddy. We're bald buddies. And I'm like, yes, we are. That's so precious. She said, Daddy, Mommy said I could have curly hair. Do you think Jesus will let me have curly hair? And I'm like, absolutely. And she did. They call them chemo curls. I don't know if you know that. So she had curly hair for about six, eight months. And she rubbed her head against mine. She goes, Daddy, how is yours going to grow back? And I'm like, baby, I just hope it does grow back. (laughs) (laughs) And we laughed, and we had so many of those moments during that yes. time. Is it tragic? Yes. But you know what What I love is in those times, that's where we get most honest and most real. Yes. And, and to be totally candid, that's probably when we need laughter the most. But why? Like, what does it do in our brains when we're going through difficult times or just kind of average times? What does What do you see when you're giving that? that laughter, that story from your perspective out into the audience. Can you can you visibly see something oh, happen? Yeah. Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. The best the best seat in the house is my seat. I, I love I and well I'll put it to you this way. My wife, when she comes to shows, um, she'll either sit in the back 
Or I tell her, I said, if you can sit to the front, to the farthest side and watch the audience, it's the greatest experience ever. And and the two biggest pieces I think that are the most benefit out of it all is that people laugh. And, and we use the term all the time that I don't say funny things. I just remind people of things that are funny. And and when we laugh and there's something subconscious when everybody's laughing that we realize I'm not alone. I'm not the only one going through this. And that is just contagious and it feeds our – I mean the core of our soul. And then there are the physiological part of releasing endorphins and you're just – you feel lighter and I've laughed so hard. We just long to laugh. We want to laugh because we do need that relief. But as much as we are together, I think it also gives us just like nothing else. Laughter gives us perspective. And not only are we not alone, but man, this really is funny. And it's probably not as big as I thought it would be. And it just puts life into the right size. It gives perspective that if we're not laughing and we're not in those situations, we tend to allow issues and circumstances to get bigger than they are. And uh, I think that's that's probably the greatest joy is when I see an audience do their – my favorite part, I never go into a crowd going, man, I hope they like me. I hope I'm funny. I hope, I hope. I love to peek through the curtain and look at the audience as they walk in with the weight of the world and just the normal part of life. And then I love to see them afterwards and I love to meet and greet and sign stuff and see they're literally lighter as they walk out because that burden is just, wow, it's either gotten perspective or somebody else is carrying it with them. I like that because that's what I find when I am laughing. I don't feel that heaviness. Mm. And not that my life is super heavy necessarily, but just life in general, all the expectations, all the places you have to go, the appointments you have to do. All of those things start weighing on you, and then when you find yourself laughing, you you feel lighter. Um, because I, you are. Yes. It's impossible to laugh and worry at the same time. Oh, I like that. And mentally, we can't do it. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why they say every day you should laugh and cry. And it's like, okay, we should feel the range of emotion, but it is. It's impossible to laugh and worry at the same time. It's also impossible to laugh and keep your guard up. Because when you mm. laugh, your guard just drops, and it's like, okay, this is this is real. And I think that's why we love it, because we love that point where we're just vulnerable, but it's positive. And I think that's one of the joys of what I get to do. I'm sure there's a lot of um, internal appreciation that you have for the fact that you can make people laugh, because not all of us can do that. <laughs> well, not all of us can do it intentionally. <laughs> well, still, nonetheless. So as we are getting closer to the end of the show, let's yeah. talk about your one takeaway. If if we had to think about laughter in amongst just our normal everyday lives, but most especially when we're going through our hard times or our zigzags, what would be the one takeaway that you would want the listeners to remember after they uh, are finished listening to our show today? Uh, definitely the, the the word of the year for me last last year. Every year I kind of pray and I'm like, okay, Lord, give me give me a word this year. And last year it came after uh, the year where I had an emergency surgery where I'm not supposed to be alive, and and 
And God just really gave me a perspective through that hard time, that total zig where I was doing my normal life. And within 36 hours, I went from working out and doing my life to having emergency open heart surgery. And oh, I was my goodness. given a 40% <laughs> chance of not making it. And uh, in the midst of that, it's okay. Uh, the first year was determination, you know, get back at it. Um, you're going to be through, you're going to get through this, just keep at it. And uh, I did. But the next year, God really caught me off guard because I'm like, okay, determination. Okay, Lord, what's my word? This, And I didn't even finish the thought. And God just hit me with a simple idea of enjoy. Enjoy this. Ooh. And, and I realized that I'd gotten so caught up with rehab and getting back at work and, and family and two boys in college and just the busyness of life that I, I wasn't pausing to just enjoy it. And so the, the one takeaway would be whether it's at night when you put your head on the pillow, whether it's on your drive home from work or wherever it is, just stop and say, what did I enjoy today? Or what am I enjoying about life right now? Whatever that is. And it, and a lot of times it's perspective. Um, I, I remember <laughs> driving back from an event and it was one of those weeks where everything kind of happened once. I have two sons in college, one in, a daughter in high school and one in middle school, a son in middle school. And I literally thought, all I do is pay tuition. That's all I do. I work, I eat, I sleep, and I pay tuition. And I just had a little bit of a meltdown pity party in my car. And after that, I just said, Lord, help me get the perspective on this. And I started laughing, and I'm like, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I've got kids that I get to pay tuition. Absolutely. Thank you that I have work that I can pay the tuition. Lord, thank you that I have the ability. Thank you that I'm here to enjoy it because I'm not supposed to be here. Lord, every day really is a bonus. And it's more than just affirmations in your mind. It really is going, what am I enjoying? And if I don't enjoy something, then what do I need to do to enjoy something today? And what is that? So enjoy something every day and take the time to remember it. That is fantastic advice because I think so many of us get wrapped up in everything that's going on, everything we're responsible for, and we forget to enjoy (laughs) and be grateful. I started a gratitude journal at the beginning of this year, and it has been a profound experience because Mm. every every evening – I spend a few minutes looking at it and thinking about the five things I'm grateful for or that I enjoy from the day. And it does make me realize, hey, there are so many great things out there. And oftentimes they are things that are funny. Mm. And and I need to have that laughter. So as we close, one last question. Sure. What makes you laugh? What makes me laugh? This is going to sound a little bit like answering a question with a question, but laughter. Laughter makes me laugh. I love the contagiousness of laughter. Yes. My my freshman daughter, she is a total goofball, and she will laugh at the drop of a hat. And it is the greatest sound in the world. My wife has just this wonderful laugh. My boys, when we get together, we— we just laugh. And what makes me laugh and what I just am so eager to be when I'm around my, when I'm around my family is what's going to make us laugh today. And that is what I enjoy. Um, 
just endlessly, just the anticipation of laughter. That's what makes me laugh because I just, I love it. I love to hear their laughs. That's what makes me laugh. And they don't laugh at me, which is really ironic because people always ask my wife, like, oh, live with a comedian. He must be so funny. And they're like, he's really not that funny. I'm the least <laughs> funny person at my house because I'm the one who sits back and watches it and they go, okay, this is going to be funny on stage. But um, I-, I can see your wheels are turning. <laughs> absolutely. So laughter makes me laugh. And I'm fortunate I'm around a lot of fun people. And I guess the other point was just the, when people hear you're a comedian, they just, they just smile and start laughing. I was at the dentist. And she's got her hands in my mouth, with the, and they just come in. There's three assistants while I'm getting my teeth checked, and they're just laughing. And I'm not saying anything because they got their hands in my mouth. But I love I loved laughter. That is fantastic. So thank you so much for oh, joining Melanie, us today. Thank you. I have learned so much about the importance of laughter and why – me as a serious person, I need it because it's therapeutic. It, it makes me lighter. And for that, I am so thankful for people like you. So you mentioned when we were chatting that maybe you might be interested in coming back. Oh, absolutely. We didn't even get to scratch the surface. And so I would what love are we going to go, talk about? Oh, well, let's uh, let's just go with with kids, parenting, and and how to find not just joy in parenting, but maybe the purpose behind it all. And a couple key pieces I've learned that I've passed on that have been unbelievable in, uh, in just giving clarity to parenting. Well, I'm sure that there are a lot of funny stories in there because I know there are a ton of funny stories in our family. Absolutely. You can't talk about parenting without getting, getting a good laugh in there. Yeah. All the times that we put our foot in our mouth and, and have to admit that, you know, we, we blundered it. Absolutely. But yeah, let's do that. Let's do that again sometime. That sounds fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us today. Remember, when life zigs and zags, and we know that it will, Add joy and laughter and keep moving forward.